Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 307 and it is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I am your host, Victor Omoyo. And with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? And my apologies. Yeah, man, we are back once again. Um, just wrapping up the year. Uh, we've got got a few things to talk about, some things we've been up to, uh, some movies we've been watching, comics we've been reading. Uh, you know you know how we do uh, on the show as per usual, um, as Carl is sharing the episode around Facebook. I um, just want to give a quick shout out to our friend of the show and sponsor, Infamous Customs. That's M-F-A-M-U Customs, where you can order all sorts of Codex Prime apparel and, um, and other uh, customizable uh, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, any, any, any design of your choosing, you can, you can send it to our friend of the show, Afton Ward, uh, through infamouscustoms.com, as well as on Instagram. And uh, yeah, she'll hook you up. So yeah, man, uh, we are here uh, once again. Um, man, some yeah, plenty, plenty of plenty of things that we've been been getting into. I know last week uh, things have been pretty busy on both our ends. Uh, so so we decided to kind of kind of chill uh, last week, but we're back. Um, I got a few movies that, uh, to review, as well as uh, my thoughts on the uh, the. Uh, the decennial list from Sight and Sound. Um, there, uh, every ten years, they have a list of the 100 greatest films of all time, and so the Sight and Sound um, uh, folks they put put together their 2022 it uh, list, uh, which are with a very surprising number one entry. I'll talk a bit about that, um, as well as like three other movies I've been watching. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, while you're sharing the episode, uh, we'll just get in, we'll just get into it. And you know, for anybody in the Facebook comments, you know, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, we're always here. We'll chop it up here as you as we do. Um, so yeah, um, like I mentioned, um, uh, Sight and Sound. Uh, they're a uh, they're a publication. Uh, they've been a, they've been around for a long time, for many decades, like ever since um, I, I want to say like the 30s, I believe. Mm. And uh, every ten years, they've they come up with a list of one hundred of the greatest films of all time, and so the previous list was in twenty twelve, where Vertigo by Alfred Hitchcock was number one, and for like five decades before that, it was Citizen Kane by Orson Welles, and so this year, uh, this year seen seen a lot of firsts. Uh, this is the first time that a film directed by a woman has has made the number one slot. Wow. For the 2022 slot, it's a French film by Chantal Ackerman in 1975. It's called uh, the, the short the short name is called uh, Jean Dielman, and it's a and from what I hear, it's on the Criterion Collection and it's also on the Criterion Channel, so I can also watch it on that streaming platform. Um, very surprising to see that this film has made the list, but it has been on the on previous uh, uh, Sight and Sound uh, uh, lists before, but it's made it to the number one spot first time. Uh, First time ever a woman a woman has topped the list, which is great. A um, lot of a lot of firsts on this list too. Um, it's the first time that uh, seven black filmmakers appear on the BFI uh, Sight and Sound 100 list: Spike Lee, number 24, for Do the Right Thing; uh, Charles Burnett for Killer of Sheep at number 43; uh, Julie Dash. Uh, at number 60 for Daughters of the Dust, landmark uh, 1991 independent uh, f- uh, feature film. Uh, there's also two anime films uh, making the list for the first time. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki's films My Neighbor, My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away. 
at number 72 and 75 respectively. Um, and then also for the first time ever, four films in the top 100 were, were released in the last decade. So we got four new additions, uh, recent additions to the top 100 uh, for the 2022 list. We got Barry Jenkins' 2016 film, Moonlight, at number 60. Uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Oscar-winning Best Picture, South Korean film from 2019. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire by Celine Siama from 2019. And at number 95, Get Out. <laughs> Get Out by Jordan Peele. He's made the number number 95. He's made the list of uh, one of the 100 greatest films of all time. So, yeah, man, this is it's it's a it's a it's a solid list. Um, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy with, uh, with the, uh, with the number of, uh, with the number of films that have made it and, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to seeing what the number one film, what seeing the number one film. I have never seen Gian Dielman before, but I've heard a lot about it uh, over the years. Uh, so I will definitely watch it. Um, in the top 10 slot, the top tens, uh, for, for this year's uh, list, but you have Gian Dielman, you had the previous number one, Vertigo, and then at number three you had Citizen Kane. Uh, then you have Tokyo Story by uh, Yasujiro Ozu. Um, number five is In the Mood for Love uh, uh, by Wong Kar Wai, starring Tony Long, Tony Long, and Maggie Chung. I've, I've, I knew that name sound familiar. Yep, yep. And then uh, Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey, number six. Uh, then you got uh, Beau Travail by Claire Denis um, at number seven. Uh, number eight, one of my dear, one of my favorite films, Mulholland Drive. Number eight, yeah, man, love that film. You're just you're you're, weird. you're a weird dude, man. Oh, the, the dumpster scene, man. <laughs> uh, number nine is Man with a Movie Camera, and number ten is Singing in the Rain. Uh, yeah, so, once again, solid, solid list. I've seen more than half of these films. Um, there's like a about thirty of these that I haven't seen yet, but I will definitely get down and watch those eventually. So yeah, check it out the uh, BFI uh, British Film Institute uh, Sight and Sound Top 100 Films of 20 uh, of All Time, the 2022 edition. Uh, hope well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they put together for their 2032 edition because they put the list out every ten years. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I that's what I've seen right there. So, so yeah, that's um, that's that list. Uh, other things I've been up to. Um, I've watched uh, three three interesting movies recently. Uh, uh, in theaters. Um, the first film, uh, I which I absolutely recommend or absolutely love, uh, Steven Spielberg's latest movie called The Fablemans. Uh, Fablemans. It stars uh, Paul Dano, Michelle Williams, Seth Rogen, uh, Judd Hirsch. He's still he's still doing his thing. Bless him. And uh, G- Gabriel Labelle. And this film, it's like a fictionalized uh, portrait of uh, Steven Spielberg's childhood. Uh, What's gr- it called again? Uh, the Fablemans. Okay. Yep. And it's a fictionalized portrait of his uh, childhood, growing up in like the fifties and sixties, and how he got into f- got into cinema from a young age, and um, 
and how he got into directing. And so the film kind of follows the Fablemans, um, his uh, his family, like they're kind of like the Spielberg family analogs. Paul Dano plays the father, Bert Fableman. He's like a computer engineer. Michelle Williams plays Mitzi Fableman, who's uh, like this former concert pianist who turns into a who becomes a housewife. And Gabriel LaBelle plays Sam Sammy or Samuel a fableman who becomes a, who becomes a, eventually becomes a filmmaker and so the film you you kind of see them you kind of see Sammy growing up and you know you see him like interact with his family you see how he gets into film um, it does be, it does begin where um, his parents at, at the age of five they take him to see uh, Cecil B DeMille's uh, Oscar-winning film the greatest show on earth and he sees a scene where the car gets run over by the train and that's what like that that image just captures him just just like sticks in his mind and so his father buys him a train set and so like he keeps uh, crashing the trains over and over and then his mom says hey you know what here's a here's a little little movie camera why don't you just you know film the train set so that way you don't have to crash a train set all the time and so he with that it just begins a lifelong lifelong love into like the, his art and his craft of making movies and it's so interesting seeing like how how as he at the, at the deeper he gets into his movies um you know you see like how his craft develops like for example when he becomes a teenager he makes a war movie with his buddies like out in the desert and like he they make they create like different props like to like simulate like explosions like little like firecrackers in the foreground um he, like there's a scene where he teach where he's directing one of his uh friends to act like to like act really emotional when he sees all his uh squad mates die in the field um and you see him like kind of like kind of like use like a bullock's camera to capture all of his family's moments um interestingly you you do see uh his his parents his their relationship and you see uh you know paul dano's character he's kind of um like he, he he's he, he's like he's he's more of like the, the the logical person like he's all about like he's passionate about science he's passionate about like you know explaining how things work but then, like uh, his his wife uh, Mitzi, played by Michelle Williams, like she's all she's all artsy. She's into like her music. Um, she's all about like you know having fun, like like embracing like dreams and imagination. And then you have Seth Rogen's character uh, Benny, who plays the family friend, who um, who is a little too friendly uh, to Mitzi. And um, on, on some level, you do get the sense that um, that Paul Dano's character knows it, but it's like, well, what can he do? Because that's his friend and colleague; they work together. But you do get the sense that, like, what Mitzi's looking for in her husband, she she can only find in Benny because Benny's more charismatic. He's more, you know, he's he's more outgoing. He's more gregarious. And so, like, you, you do see um, uh, Sammy trying to come to terms with that because he notices it too. Like, uh, like in there's a scene where like they're they're filming at this uh, this family trip at a camp, and every time he's like filming his other his like his, his sisters and his father in the background, he sees them flirting, uh, Benny and his mom flirting together, like holding hands. Really, Benny and his. Oh, uh, yeah. Sammy sees it. Yeah, okay. Sammy sees it like like be, like he sees Benny and then his mom like kind of flirting, like holding hands in the background, but they're trying to keep a secret. But his but uh, Sammy's ca- uh, camera captures everything. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a heartfelt film. It's a gorgeous looking film too. Um, uh, there were a lot of shots that I liked in the film. For example, like the scene where uh, young Sammy's like filming the train set and how he's just like putting together different angles, and you get the sense that like he's figuring out his voice even at that young age um uh there's also a there's also a, a 
one of the final scenes in the film, which I won't spoil, which features a cameo. I from, already seen yeah, it from 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 a director who plays one of the great film directors. And I saw that film, and and, and, that, and that scene, the whole scene is just gold. It's just like the, it's like the cherry on top to to a wonderful wonderful Sunday of a film, um, and it, it's it, it was so cool. Um, but yeah, like the Fablemans is just such it's such a well well put together film. Um, just like a, a a great coming of age story, a great family story. Um, it, it's it's well shot by the great Janusz Kaminski, Steven Spielberg's longtime uh, cinematographer. Uh, it, it's 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 such a wonderful movie, one of Spielberg's best, and definitely one of my favorite films of 2022. Um, and, and also, I, I gotta say the the, the scene where uh, young Sammy has a conversation with uh, his uncle Boris, played by Judd Hirsch, who only appears in the, in one scene, but man, he makes a hell of an impression. <laughs> Basically, like telling him that you know, you know, embrace embrace being an artist, but you know, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's gonna. You know, you're gonna have to make a compromise between your art and then your family, and then his scene. Like he, like Judd Hirsch leaves a, leaves an impression. Like, like, like I, 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 I thought Judd Hirsch had passed away before well, long ago, but then he's still alive, like on the screen. I'm like, man, bless him. He's still doing his thing. Yeah. Just look, I just looked it up as you were talking about it. Yeah, still doing his thing. Yeah, he was in uh, Independence Day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ordinary People. Yeah, he's still doing it. Taxi. Taxi, yep. So yeah, man. Uh, the Fablemans, check it out. It's in theaters. Uh, Steven Spielberg's latest film. It's it's a wonderful movie. I really enjoyed it, and I I can't I can't say it, say enough about it. It's it's great. Um, so yeah, I saw that, and then the next film I saw uh, recently is a uh, film a, a drama a non horror film by A twenty four. It's and, and this it's is a, gonna go. <laughs> It's a film called The Inspection. Oh God! Uh, the Inspection. It's a drama film. It's it's uh, written and directed by director Elegance Bratton, and it stars uh, Jeremy Pope, Raúl Castillo, um, uh, Bokeem Woodbine, and Gabrielle Union. And the film is based on um, uh, Elegance Bratton's uh, experiences um, enlisting in the Marines. In, in boot camp and um, and the character that Jeremy Pope plays is this young man named Ellis French whose uh, life is like you know kind of in kind of in shambles like kind of directionless like he's um, he's just he's living on the streets he's a young gay man his mother played by Gabrielle Union Inez uh, French she's very religious and she's very judgmental she's completely uh, critical of of her son's quote unquote lifestyle and says, you know, um, and says, you know, you know, you're no son of mine, basically. And so uh, Ellis, uh, he decides, you know, since his life is going nowhere fast, he decides to enlist in the Marines at the age of 25. And when he and the, and the film takes place in 2005, when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was still uh, the law of the land for the for the military. And so when he enlists in the Marines. In, in boot camp, um, he he runs into a, a lots of like rampant homophobia, uh, a lot of pre- a lot of like um, a lot of prejudice uh, on their end. Uh, one of the uh, drill instructors uh, played by is played by Bokeem Woodbine, who I swear looks almost exactly like Dave Chappelle. Like if if people call him evil, Dave Chappelle. Pretty much, yeah. Like if if you made like a Dave Chappelle biopic, Bokeem Woodbine is the one and only casting choice. 
and and he kind of and like he kind of sounded like Dave Chappelle at, at times in the film, like like an evil version of Chappelle, but like Bokeem Woodbine, like he plays this like douchebag of a of a drill sergeant who's who's just like who makes it a point to break uh, Ellis. He's like he's he tells Ellis and he tells all the rest of the the trainees like, I will break you, I promise, and you see like how bullying he is and. And then you see like like Ellis trying to struggle with like making it through the basic training, and uh, yeah, and and yeah, and Jeremy Pope like he it's a great performance from him, uh, also a, a commanding performance from Bokeem Woodbine, uh, who deserves his flowers too. He's been around for a hot minute. Hey, he um, and, and Gabrielle Union too. Like she's she's not in the film a, a long a, a whole lot, but the scenes that she's in. Man, like she plays an unlikable character uh, to the bitter end, and I will say, like the last line that she says in the film is such a knife in the heart that it's like, ooh, ooh, you're you're gonna get yours one day, lady. You're you're gonna get yours. You you don't say that kind of shit to your own child. I won't I won't I won't reveal what she, what she says, but it's like, ooh, 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 you're 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 a mean one for that one, Mrs. Grinch, but. <laughs> But yeah, like it's 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 a it's a very good film. Um, yeah, um, there, the and, and there's like one scene in the film where uh, where our Jeremy Pope's character Ellis, like he he uh, he breaks down like with one of the drill sergeants and who asks him like why did you join the Marines, and like his character he just basically says you know, you know, all my friends are either dead or in prison, my life's going nowhere, but if I die behind if I die in this uniform then I can be called a hero. And I was like, man, ugh, that was a real kick in the gut. But yeah, The Inspection, um, very good film, great performances. I recommend it. It's it's 90 minutes long. Um, it, it is playing at Providence Place Mall. It's the only only theater that's playing it now in, in Rhode Island. But yeah, it's A24's latest uh, drama. Um, it's one of their non-horror films. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, another black-led film uh, from, from, from my favorite production company. Um, yeah, yeah, it's well worth seeing. The Inspection. Um, What's up, Carl? But you said A24, and it was called The Inspection. Oh, yeah. It, it could have gone. It, it, yeah, I was just like. <laughs> the other way. <laughs> I'm like, this, 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 I'm like, this don't sound good at all. Mm. You know, I'll tell you what doesn't sound good. Oh, God, no. Uh, the, the third film that I saw uh, a couple weeks ago. You didn't really get what you're segues by the way but keep going um this is not an a24 film which was quite surprising because it has all the hallmarks of one it's a romantic horror film called bones and all which is a uh romantic cannibal story um it stars uh taylor russell and timothy chalamet and uh michael stolbarg andre holland uh Chloe Savigny, David Gordon Green, and Mark Rylance in a creepy performance. Holy shit! So, Bones and All. It's uh, based on a uh, a young adult uh, a novel by Camille DeAngelis, and it's about. Uh, it takes place in the eighties, and uh, Taylor Russell plays this uh, teenage girl named Marin, who you know who in the beginning of the film it's her and her father that they they live they live by themselves and you know one day you know you know Marin's at school and one of her friends invites her to a sleepover so she's so she's over there you know she's hanging out with her friends and 
you know, her and her friends share a moment. And so Marin takes the girl's, her friend's hand, kisses it, and then suddenly bites off her finger. And her, and, and her friends are wild and like, oh my God, what the hell, what the fuck? And so Marin runs home, you know, covered in blood. And her father's like, oh shit, this happened again. And so they, so they pack up their bags and they immediately get the hell out of town. And so, um, and so it turns out that this has happened multiple times before. And so Andre Holland, who plays Marin's mother, he a le- uh, uh, father rather, <laughs> he leaves her. He leaves her, just abandons her, just like straight up ghosts her for good. But not before recording a tape, which kind of explains to Marin her her her, her childhood origins. Turns out that even even as a baby, she always had cannibalistic tendencies, and which also you know, which she probably got from her mama. Um, <laughs> and so Marin, she's you know she's wandering around, she's homeless, and uh, she's trying to figure out a place to stay, and she runs into uh, another older cannibal named Sully, played by Mark Rylance, and man, Mark Rylance, this man can play creepy and unsettling like nobody's business like i'm in ready player one oh no oh ready player one he might as well be walt disney compared to what <laughs> you see in bones and all like this dude okay so in the so as they're getting to know each other he's like he's like he's like you you lost little girl i can smell you from across town see because see in, in in the in in the in the uh in the universe of bones and all um uh they they uh, the cannibals, the, the little cannibal community, they call themselves eaters, basically. Eaters can smell each other because eaters have a scent, a certain scent that only other eaters can detect. So Sully smells Marin from across the bus stop and says, hey, why don't you come with me and, you know, you know, I'll show you the cannibalistic rope. So they, uh, they uh, you know, they're chilling out at this old woman's house. And... Um, and before they have a, they they eventually make make a meal out of the old woman, um, who's laying there dying, and then you see like uh, 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 shots of like the woman's like photos of her life, and um, and so you know Sully, you know he's dressed down in his you know tidy whiteies, he's got blood covered all over him, and he's basically you know and he and he, and he shows Marin um, his trophy. And his trophy is consisted of the ha- the braided hair of his victims, braided up and tied up into a, a single rope, a rope of human hair of all the victims that he's consumed. And every time he opens it, you can see all the flies buzzing around it. And so he's like, you know, I just want to take you underneath my wing. I could show you the ways of uh, of, of hard living out here. And so, you know, it's naturally this creeps out Marin because she's 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 she doesn't know what Sully's about, so she gets the first bus and travels across the country. And then she runs into uh, another young cannibal uh, played by Timothy Chalamet, uh, whose name is um, Lee. And Lee, he's basically, like, he's, he's, he's like this uh, this devil may care uh, cannibal who's all about like, you know what, you know, it doesn't matter who I eat, you know, I, I gotta eat, I got this urge, you know, why don't you roll with me? We'll figure this out together, and so Lee and Marin they they travel together. They they gradually grow closer. They fall in love, um, and all the while they're trying to avoid other other dangers on the road. Uh, Marin wants to find her birth mother as well, so so they so they get into that. Um, there's a, another unsettling scene with Michael Stuhlbarg and David Gordon Green, a filmmaker. Um, 
Apparently, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg's character, he's another eater who likes to eat other eaters. And uh, his friend, played by David Gordon Green, he's not a cannibal at all, but he's a, he's a cannibal groupie, basically. Like, he wants to get in on that life. And so, yeah, it's 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 it, it, this this movie goes into some really, really unsettling, really fucked up uh, uh, places. Um, and you smiled from ear to ear. I did not, but um, I, I I don't believe you for some reason. I, I thought I thought it was a good movie, not a not a great movie, but I thought I thought it was I thought it was intriguing. Um, it, it is it is it's certainly not for everybody. Um, there's I really appreciated the uh, the performances by Taylor Russell and and Mark Rylance in particular who's man he, I, he's definitely got to get some awards coming his way. Um, David Gordon Green looks like he should play Elon Musk in a movie. He really does. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? I yeah that's that's a good call. <laughs> um, yeah, so like yeah, Mark Rylance he's he's really good in it. Uh, Taylor Russell like she's made some so far making some interesting choices. As an act, as an actor, like she's she was in previously in the movie Waves, uh, an a an A twenty four drama with um, Sterling K Brown and uh, Kelvin Harrison, um, yeah, like like her character is like sort of like this 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 young woman just trying to figure out life and like her urges, and uh, this film kind of reminded me a bit like a, like a more extreme version of uh, the movie Raw, which is about the um um. The ve- the vegetarian who becomes a cannibal who like develops a taste for raw flesh. Um, I thought Raw was a better film, but I thought Bones and All, which was directed by Luca Guadagnino, uh, Luca Guadagnino who also previously directed uh, the 2017 film Call Me by Your Name, also starring Timothy Chalamet um, and Army Hammer. I remember the name of the movie. Yeah. Because I remember there was times where, you know, I try to do like, you know how I would try to do impressions of you and then I always try to, you know, you know, name, name drop a bougie movie and that was one that I, that usually came to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which was interesting. Um, This is like the second collaboration between uh, uh, Guadagnino and Chalamet. So, um, so yeah, like this, this movie was like rather, it was rather interesting. Um, d- I knew why I... Now I remember why I made fun of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, look, listen, it's, it's it's not that kind of movie. Call me by your name. It's not that kind of movie, Carl. I, I know what you're gonna say. You said it before. It's not that kind of movie. Uh, but but yeah, bones and all. Like I said, it's it's grizz, it's gruesome. It's grisly. It's not for everybody. I'd say don't eat anything before you go. Don't eat anything during the movie. Just just you know. Don't do it, but um, because there's some there's some there's some fucked up shit in this movie. But I thought it was a rather rather interesting story. Um, I, I thought that the the cannibal uh uh angle was 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 kind of inspired. Um, I, I which I, I, which which makes me wonder. I I don't think I hope uh that cannibals won't be romanticized in the media the way like vampires are because you know vampires are fictional, but like. You know, cannibals are like too taboo to kind of like romanticize, especially when you got like shows like Dahmer. So I'm hoping that this doesn't start. This movie, movies like movies and shows like that, doesn't start a trend. But, but yeah, I'd say Bones and All um, is it worth watching in theaters? I'd say like if you have a strong stomach. Otherwise, you can like wait to rent it or if, you, if it becomes available on streaming. But like I said, it's a 
it's an intriguing film. The premise is, is is interesting. The performances are great, but um, yeah, like I said, don't eat and don't eat anything uh, before you see this one. And A twenty four didn't pick this one up. No, surprisingly, no. This is like right this up their alley. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like right up their alley. And I'm surprised that I didn't see the A twenty four logo before it, but there it is. But yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Is a yeah, I, I I was gonna say like the the bones and all review would have been a great segue segue with uh, some some hot sauce, but you know we we can't do it. Things anymore. are on hold right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got something fucked up for you. Oh okay. So there's a three part docu series on uh, Peacock. Okay. It is called Dangerous Breed Crime Cons Cats. Hmm. And it is a three-part docuseries on third-generation wrestler Teddy Hart. Oh, jeez. This dude has a rap sheet like a mile long. Man, listen. And here's the thing. Like, the... The, um... Hold on. Okay, Teddy Hart. The filmmaker whose name is... Give me... One sec. Yep. Where the hell is it? Yeah. Okay. Fred Croach. And please forgive me if I'm Croach. Please forgive me, you know, for butchering that name. Yeah. Um Damn. Like he was like re- he was just literally like um like following for probably about a good ten years, just filming him, mm. like he, you know, showing his breed, you know, his um, him breeding his side hustle is breeding Persian cats. Okay, breeding and per- training Persian cats. He's kind of a crazy cat dude, but yet he's tr- he's living that like lifestyle. Like he smokes weed like all the time. Okay, Stone. has weed paraphernalia everywhere. <laughs> All right. Like one is a one flag I saw in his house was a uh, Confederate flag with a marijuana leaf on it. I was like, God damn it! Yeah, that's yeah. Hmm. Like this dude, and the thing is, I feel so bad for his parents, Georgia Hart and uh, pro wrestler BJ Annis, because it's like they still see the innocence in him and they still and they kind of believe that the passing of his uh brother Matt mm-hmm. uh ha- possibly may have like triggered him to taking this dark path mm-hmm. but honestly like I would be embarrassed if I was any member of the Hart family and this comes out mm-hmm. and they see and they see us and it, it starts off just as a documentary about him in hopes to be like a hot new reality TV show Mm-hmm. And it turns out turning into a missing persons case. Oh shit! Yeah, where he was dating this girl, um, Samantha Michelle Fiddler, and she like disappears in November, in November of 2016. Oh, like nobody knows like what happened to her. People think that she had shot, like he had something to do with it. But like the way he, the way he is, it's like he'll start like flipping out. He'll go manic, and then next thing you know, like. He's all good again. Hmm. You know, he's been in uh, 
poly relationships. He had this one girl, like this one wife, and then another girlfriend and stuff. He's like, yo, film this. You know, they're getting in the hot tubs together and stuff. And then mm. next thing you know, he gets like, um, he has two uh, rape charges, rape, uh, sexual assault charges on him Jeez. by his then wife and girlfriend. Um, one girl that he was training and then winds up dating, gets on a, uh, ends up, you know, speaking out of him during the speaking out movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Like, he's been in and out of jail. It's amazing how this guy is, like, still, like, free. Yeah. Like, still wrestling, still wrestling on the indies. Wow. Some indie indie companies are taking him? Indies companies are taking I'm so surprised that Tony Khan was, like, smart enough not to put, pick this up. But mm. it's still early. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I've heard, I've heard stories about him, like, for the past few years. Like The youngest wrestler ever to be hired by WWE mm. and the youngest to ever be fired by the WWE. Because they deemed him uncoachable. Shit. That's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, cons, cons people out of getting, like, jack. Like, he drove a jack. He, like, he had to end up getting people to, like, con him into getting, getting a Jaguar. Damn. <laughs> like, honestly, watch this shit. You're going to be sitting there like, yo. I knew he was toxic as fuck, but damn. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting that there's a documentary series on them. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, dude. Dude, yeah. each hour, each episode is probably about an hour. Okay. But I'm just like, I was watching that document like, whoa. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no way in hell like any, even, even any like semi-huge company. Impact wouldn't take that, dude. Yeah, Ring of Honor was just like, well, at the time, like, Ring of Honor was like, yo, we can't have this dude because he was in a match. He was in a cage match, mm-hmm. kind of like a cage battle royal. He does one moonsault off the top of the cage, which is, you know, whatever. Yeah. He took it upon himself to just do him over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And even in the, like, the wrestlers, it's like, yo, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you just running a spot into the ground. <laughs> That, but it was just like they he was just doing it off the fly mm. without telling anybody. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not So cool. he was like, all right, yo, this dude's kind of a lunatic. He's kind of dangerous to work with. Yeah. Mm. But honestly, I was. it's a very intriguing documentary. It was very well, very well shot. And then another thing, too, is like he's trying to like, oh, when he was going to court for a final, he actually got off on the sexual abuse charges. Wow. Got her. He had a really good lawyer, apparently. Mm. And like these poor girls, just like they can't. She, one of them was just like, "I can't love again." Damn, that's horrible. And just it, it, it's it's completely like insane. Like I honestly am like interested to hearing everybody else's thoughts on this docu on this uh, documentary. Yeah, for sure. But speaking of wrestling, we do want to give a quick recap and a huge shout out to the Renegade Wrestling Alliance for having us <laughs> on their uh, RWA Goes Broadway press conference on this past Saturday. You can yes. catch the footage on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it was a lot of fun. I, I want to get back into the ring. Yeah, that made you want to uh, get back? It did. It did. My back's all messed up. Uh, I would be willing to take a bump. Mm, gonna take those knife edge chops. You know, if it calls for it, then maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna take a like, a like a Gunter Walter style chop. Let's not go too far now. <laughs> He's gonna puke. It'll happen <laughs> after my first match, like my first singles match. I thought I was gonna. Mm. Yeah, man, just run those. That was like 16 years ago, so it'll be even worse now. Yeah, mm. you know what? Why not? Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Big shout out to uh, state representative and commissioner uh, David Morales mm-hmm. for having us. Um, still waiting to hear back from him because when we supposed to get paid? I know, right? Like, come on, commissioner, what's going on? No, supposed to get paid, man. We were supposed to get paid. Yeah. So, on another note, it was a pretty busy weekend for me. Uh, I ended up checking out the Comedy Storm, hosted by our friend of the show, Mr. Kuze, featuring uh, local comedian Lisa J, friend of the show, Bad Lad, Derek Fonseca, and the headliner was Jackson, Comedian Jackson. It was held at the uh, Park Ave Theater in Cranston. And yeah, oh god, I laughed so hard. Mm. I laughed so hard, I was like tired at the end of the night. Mm. Nice, like bad lad freaking killed it. Derek Fonseca killed it. Kuze, as always, Lisa J, she's just a, she's just such a sweetheart. Um, Jackson, comedian, Jack, I'm just like, yo, this, this dude is freaking nuts. Mm. <laughs> That's cool. So. Uh, I know he has uh, a couple of, you know, plenty more events coming up. I think he has one in January 7th mm-hmm. for a touring com- And he's uh, hosting a touring community uh, comedian. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna they're going to be recording a special there. Nice. So, if I were you, I, hop on that. I would hop on that. Um, and uh, big shout-outs to all my family at the... Uh, the Cornerstone Complex. I went by their uh, Black Saturday Marketplace event on on uh, this past Saturday, but unfortunately, it's the uh, last event that's going to be held in that building. I'll explain to you off air, but it really it really saddens me. Hmm. So, um, but Kobe's Kobe's resilient, so he he'll he'll bounce back like it's nothing. So. Yeah. But on to the comic book tip. Uh, let's see. Big shout outs to Chris. Put aside a Web of Spider-Man uh, number one from, I want to say, 1985. He put that aside for me. Uh, next up, we have uh, Chroma number one that came out uh, a few weeks ago uh, by uh, Image. Uh, written and uh, written, created and art by uh, Lorenzo. Di Felici. Okay, and what it's about is, okay, this is, it's um, adventures beyond. Damn, I can't even read my own. The pale city, excuse me, into the jungle ruled by a gigantic beasts. However, man lives among them. Well, one man lives among them, and he may hold the answers to Chroma's mysterious past. Like it's kind of. 
And if you notice, I like the pale jungle. You notice how like everybody's just pale and black and white, but then mm-hmm. like the rest of it's color, and it's mm-hmm. like they hate the color. Hmm. Like the color is their in their lore, the color is their enemy. Interesting. Hmm. So I'm not going to spoil any more. I think you should should check it out. Chris also recommended me to that one because it was like, oh yeah, this is selling pretty big. This is selling pretty big. Um, I think you should check it out. I'm like, all right, cool. Hmm. Why not? You know, if not, just I'll keep the number one if anything comes of it. And I'll just, you know, get it signed, graded, or whatever. Mm. Um, Next up, which is another uh, Chris recommendation, is called The Approach uh, by Boom Studios, uh, written by uh, Jeremy Hahn and Jason Jason A. Hurley, and the art by uh, Jesus Hervis and uh, Leah Caballero. So a massive snowstorm is hitting. They didn't say exactly what time, uh, what time, what um, area of the country or world it is. Mm-hmm. And at a local airport, staff are like figuring out, like, you know, they're trying to save their passengers and whatnot. And then next thing you know, like, out of nowhere, just a mysterious plane just crashes. Okay. There's no record of this plane at all. It just came out of nowhere and it crashes. So they rescue the pilot. But the pilot was already declared dead. Okay. Later on, a flight attendant walks in just to check in on the pilot, and it becomes like this mutant and kills her and eats her. Oh. Okay. But then in issue two, the person that was killed by that mutant mm-hmm. becomes a mutant. Oh. And goes to kill somebody else. Okay. And then that's where it left off. So now it's like, all right, we know what's going on. We know what we got to do. Okay. Hmm. Intriguing. Yeah, very. It's a five-part series. So I was like, you know what? Let me, you know, check this out. Next up, big shout-outs to friend of the show, uh, Patrick Hickey Jr. of um, the um, Minds Behind the Games and also Legacy Comics because I contributed to his Kickstarter. And I have the number one issue of The Job which is written by Patrick Hickey Jr. and the R by Stephen Conge. And it follows a wrestler who does uh, quote-unquote jobs, you know, who loses on purpose in the ring. But yeah, he is feeling underutilized and underpaid. But he also lives another lifestyle where he's a professional bank robber. So he's making like these twos and fews at wrestling events, but yeah, he's still showing up just shining. Mm. Okay. Because of all he's meant, the money he's making robbing banks. Nice. Okay. So, follow our friend. Support our friend. He's a good dude. If you listen to our episode with him, he provided so much information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was probably one of my favorite um, guests that we had in recently. In recently. Mm. And then, uh, finally, we have uh, Planet Hulk's World Breaker. I picked this up uh, last week, uh, written by Greg Pack, who also written, uh, who's also wrote the uh, Weapon H story, and the art is by Manuel Garcia. So the story takes place a thousand years into the future on planet Sakar, where a young green-skinned woman searches for the legendary uh, Green Scar to save her brother from apocalyptic cultists. Okay. So a lot of these people, they're descendants of Bruce Banner. Mm. And it's a little bit, it's a bit of a wild ride. I was like, you know what? I like the cover. Mm-hmm. Let's see what this is about. 
and it's something I wouldn't mind following. So yeah, I actually I recommend it as well. So yes, Planet Hulk, World Breaker, and finally big shout outs to my friend, mentor, DJ, fellow DJ, DJ Lady Rock, who was uh, representing Rhode Island on the Sway in the Morning show this past week. Sweet. Killed it. Nice. Killed it. So, um, big shout outs to you, Lady Rock. Like, just keep doing what you do. You already know. When you put the bat signal out, they all come flocking through. So, mm. check her out. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, she'll be at DJ Aldana's uh, spinning her throwback Thursday sets. Just, you know, go by, say what's up to her. You know, congratulations on this endeavor. It was amazing. Yeah, word up. That's what's up, man. Yeah. And also, like, looking at this uh, Planet Hulk uh, uh, comic, it reminds me of, um, I've always wanted to read uh, Immortal Hulk. Like, I heard that was a really good series. Have you ever read it? No, but I have one issue where it looked like Hulk in Hell, and it was like a really intriguing cover. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've always wanted to read Immortal Hulk, so I'll probably get around to that at some point. Yeah, that's that's definitely available on paperback. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, man. Oh, also, um, I got, uh, as, as part of the Criterion Collection sale, Uh-oh. since it wrapped up, I got uh, my final two uh, films that just came in recently both in 4k uh so like the first one the first one oh shit spike lee's malcolm x yep malcolm x making its uh 4k debut and its debut on the criterion collection man denzel washington uh angela bassett like classic film one of the best films of the 90s one of spike lee's best films as well i mean denzel washington what can you say i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's it's a one of the one of the one of the all time great film performances, but and it's in it's in four K. It's it's wonderful. I can't wait to dig in dig into it. Uh, and also also on four K for the first time ever collaboration with Criterion and Disney Pixar. Really? Yeah. Wally. Really. Yeah, Wally in 4K on the Criterion Collection. Um, the first ever Disney Pixar collaboration. Uh, this is this is a masterpiece. This is one of Pixar's finest films. It's definitely in my top five. Um, I, you know what? I would say this is actually my favorite Pixar film because like it's just so perfect from start to finish. And to see, and to get to see this in 4K on an OLED display, uh, it's just going to be so majestic. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing other Pixar films that 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 may make the Criterion Collection. Maybe Inside Out, Finding Nemo, the Toy Story trilogy, Coco, uh, Coco in 4K and Criterion. Shoot, I'm gonna have to fight back the fight back the tears again, man. Uh, Remember me, uh, that song. And you know, looking at looking at the uh, uh, looking at this collaboration between Criterion and Disney Pixar, who knows? Maybe we'll see a, a collaboration between Criterion and the Red Brand. You know, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll see. Uh, don't make fun. Of, don't make fun of me. I know what you do. <laughs> you know, Criterion Marvel, Black Panther, 
first ballot uh, criterion pick. That right there should be in the collection. Black Panther for its cultural import. Um, you know, um, and uh, yeah, that's the only that's the only Marvel film worth being in the Criterion Collection, as far as I'm concerned. But, Guardians one, nah. But, you don't um, think so? I mean, I mean, I, I would say like for like for cultural impact, definitely yeah. Black Panther. And uh, it, it, it to me, it'd be kind of hilarious if if like any of the Avengers movies made it to the collection. But oh, Endgame definitely. Um, but uh. Who knows? Hey, if if we do see for like, culture for <laughs> pop cultural impact, me, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, you know, if if we do see uh, um, Endgame or Infinity War make it to the Criterion Collection, who knows? They'll probably shoot up in my uh, in my list of um, you know favorite film well favorite films of the twenty first century, you know. But uh, but yeah, you know, I I, I will say that. Um, Criterion should coll- also collaborate with uh, DC so we can get Birds of Prey. Oh Jesus Christ, man! You we can get so we can get Birds of Prey. All right, so like, um, let me see. In 2025, right? 2025 is gonna be like the five year anniversary of this modern modern cult classic, right? And I think that Criterion can give that film the treatment it deserves. Y'all are sleeping on Birds of Prey because you hate women. It's all right. Oh, don't you even start that. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I've listen, I I I I I'm right. Listen, like birds like It's okay to be wrong. That's how you learn. Year, years from now people are gonna be like, Hey, you know what? We didn't give birds of prey its flowers and you know we were wrong then, but we wanna correct that mistake now. No, they don't. It's it's never too late. Yeah. Alright, I'm over here and I probably should have did this earlier. Uh, what you doing? So, good segue. Good segue. As a matter of fact, you re- yo your segue game is on point, Levy man. Oh, I you. am getting ready to document our annual game awards predictions pick. Okay. So, before let's start off. So last year. We decided I we decided to put, you know, simple wages on it. Nothing crazy, not nothing monetary, just you know spirit of fun bets. I remember last year you uh had to watch you lost, so you had to watch Blank Man and Meteor Man. Yes, I did. Yep. And I had and if you was to have uh one, I had to watch uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won and I still did it. I still don't know why. And just, I was bored. And I was like, you know what? You've been overhyping this movie <laughs> for so long. Let's freaking see what the hype about of it is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. So you I want you to come up with a stipulation as if if I lose. Um yeah, I yeah, I haven't I haven't really thought about any any stipulations as to as to uh, what you would have to do if 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 you if you lost that is to say like if more of my predictions win. Um I'm sure you've come up with a with a 
stipulation already if you win. I have. Um, let, let, let's, hear, let's hear what you got to say. So, if I win, you, sir, have to watch the Tubi movie classic, The Psychic. Mm, uh, <sighs> Come on, man. Mm-hmm. The movie's only like 50-something minutes. Okay, I mean that's 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 doable. That's uh, not 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 a huge uh, not a huge uh, crunch on my time. All right. Um, hmm. Come on. Hmm. Let, let me think. Let, let me let me think what I what I what I want to do. Uh. Let's see. What could what 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 could I what could I subject you to? Um uh to watching. Okay. Um if if more if more of my predictions win, mm-hmm. then you will finally have to watch Hereditary by Ari Aster and complete the trilogy. <laughs> okay. You, yep. You watched Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Mm. You watched Midsummer. Mm. And you'll get to watch Hereditary. It's not that bad. <laughs> Listen, my movie's only an hour. Yeah. I swear to God, this thing better not be freaking MCU level <laughs> length. Oh no, Hereditary. That's a little over two hours. It'll be fine. That's MCU length. It's fine. It's fine. You'll you, you'll be fine. So yeah, so that's that's so fine. Hereditary. Hereditary. If you win, mm-hmm. the psychic on Tubi. Yeah. Tubi. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my god! I sent my I showed my cousin the freaking fry pan shot all up. <laughs> Oh my god, the laughter was impeccable. Mm. It was a moment. Yes, I bet it was. I can't wait to see this filmmaking goodness. And by goodness, I mean horribleness. Oh, yeah. Like, do I have to sign up for Tubi? Oh, good, good. Because I I, I don't want to besmirch my my inbox. (laughs) (laughs) All right, wait. Right. Okay, I can write these. I can write these as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's get, first of all, we got a shake on it. All right, Mega Powers handshake. Yeah, yeah. there we it's go. documented. There it is. is documented. There it is. All right. Whew. Cool. All right, let's get this show on the road. We will save game for game of the year for last. Mm-hmm. So let's start with best game direction. Okay. All right. The nominees are Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, or Stray. Mm. Um, I'd say this is going to be a, a battle between Elden Ring and, and Ragnarok. Now, I know Ragnarok has a good chance because it was a 2018 Game of the Year winner right. at the Game Awards. Um. Ooh, but you know what? I'm gonna go with Elden Ring for this one. Mm. I'm gonna go with Elden Ring because, in terms of like the direction, um, 
it's 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 an I know Ragnarok's an excellent sequel, but Elden Ring is also like an evolution of that Soulsborne formula in an open world. Okay. So I think that's gonna give it the edge. I'm gonna go with a sleeper pick and pick Horizon Forbidden West. Okay. Bold, bold, okay. It's a bold choice, I'd say, compared to the, the, the first two games. All right. So next up we got we have best narrative. Hmm. We have a Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Ragnarok on this. Me one. too. Yeah, I'm right. I'm currently 22 hours into Ragnarok. Yeah, you're ahead of me, but I I had a busy weekend. Yeah, and I gotta say, so far, like without spoilers, like. The characterization of Odin is so damn interesting. Like, I'm like, wow, this is not how I pictured Odin. How he would, how he'd be portrayed in a game just like chilling. this. Yeah, he's just like a, just so nonchalant and just kind of like. Yeah, he's like a nonchalant like, like he has like a used car salesman vibe to yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, interesting choice. Yeah. All right, next up, we got Best Art Direction. Elden Ring, mm. God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, or Stray? Ooh. Oh, this is interesting. You know, Art Direction, I think I'm going to go with Scorn. S- really? Yeah, because I know Scorn is like heavily inspired by that H.R. Giger uh, designs, like the how he, uh, he created the designs for Alien, mm-hmm. like that really like deep horror hardcore horror uh, alien aesthetic so i think scorn's gonna get the edge for this one it might be the winner i was gonna choose stray but i think elden ring may take this one mm. yeah it's also a good choice too a great choice actually i feel like these motherfuckers those three are going to be like every category mm. oh yeah <laughs> well best score in music a plague tale, a plague tale requiem. Uh, the composer is uh, Olivier de Rivier. Oh, Olivier. Olivier, excuse me. Yep. Um, Eldering. Wait, Suka. Wait, Sukasa Saito for mm-hmm. Eldering. Yep. Bear McCreary for God of War Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, two feathers for Metal Hellsinger, and. Yasunori Mitsuda for Xenogreeb for Xeno, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Hmm. Some good some good choices. Uh man. Yeah, this this is gonna be tough because I haven't heard I've only heard Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. Um hmm. I think I'll, I'll go with Elden Ring for this one. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to go with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Okay. All right. Best audio design. Hmm. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Elden Ring. God of War Ragnarok. Gran Turismo 7. Or Horizon Forbidden West. Hmm. Audio design. 
my instinct is telling me to go with Modern Warfare 2, so I'm going to go with Modern Warfare. Okay, and I'm actually going to go with uh, Gran Turismo 7. Mm. I feel like racing games kind of always get that. Oh, yeah? They kind of lean towards them. Mm. All right. Best performance. Ashley Birch as Aloy from Horizon Forbidden West. Manning Gage as Marissa Marcel in Immortality. Christopher Judge as Kratos from God of War Ragnarok. Charlotte McBurney as Amiga Darun from A Plague Tale Requiem. And Sonny Soljic as Atreus in God of War Ragnarok. Mm. Solid, solid picks right here. Really, you think? Um, I think I'm going to go with Charlotte McBurney for A Plague Tale mm. Requiem. I think because uh, like she because uh, she was very good as uh, Amicia uh, in in Plague Tale Innocence. So I think that and given the the buzz that Requiem has gotten, I think that she might take this one. And I'm going to go with Sunny Soldiers. Mm, very good pick, too. I feel like, you know, Judge is the veteran in the game. Mm-hmm. He's been in, he was D-Mob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think, uh, I think an upper, his performance was amazing mm-hmm. in the first, in 2018. Yeah. And he's just growing into that role. Oh yeah, you know, especially as a teenager, as he's as the character himself is growing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go with Sunny Soldier. Okay, yeah. Oh, uh, I'm trying to. I that's why I write so freaking horrible. My freaking mind. I'm already ready to go off, and I need to learn to slow down. <laughs> that's why people have usually have a. Uh, bad handwriting. Their mind goes faster than their pet. Hmm. All right. Games for Impact. A Memoir Blue. As Dusk Falls. Citizen Sleeper. Endling and Stick Extinction is Forever. Hindsight. And I was a teenage exocolonist. Hmm. Um. Have you heard of any of these games? I know I've heard of a memoir blue. So I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with Citizen Sleeper. All right, because I think it's a cool name. Hmm. All right, Citizen Sleeper. Next up, best ongoing game. And it's pretty much the same ones all every year. Oh, yeah. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, or Genshin Impact. Hmm. Didn't Genshin Impact win last year, if I recall? I, I could be wrong. Um, I'll just go with Fortnite. Safe pick? Yeah. Yeah, they're constantly like... Yeah, they constantly just adding new characters and 
Yeah. To the point where kids nowadays, they see Goku and goes, oh, that's the dude from Fortnite. And I kind of want to kick him in the face. <laughs> I can't blame you for that one. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Apex on this one. Mm. The grown man's Fortnite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fortnite's come a long way from the Fortnite floss. Yeah, I haven't seen many kids do that nowadays. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Time's gone by. Yeah, probably because these kids are stunned. The kids who were doing it then are like starting to play Apex. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, best indie best indie game: Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Saifu, Stray, and Tunic. Going with Stray. I knew it. <laughs> Stray's got to get something, so I think that's going to be it. I think I'm actually going to go with Stray as well. Okay. All right. Best mobile game. Apex Legends Mobile. Diablo Immortal. Genshin Impact. Marvel Snap. Tower of Fantasy. I think I'm going to go with uh, Diablo Immortal. And I'm going to go with uh, Marvel Snap. Okay. All right. Kind of no surprise there. Hmm. All right. Best community support. Apex Legends. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite. Or No Man's Sky? Um, I'll go with Fortnite. <laughs> Seems like it's just... And I'm going to go with Apex. All right. All right. Uh, best VR slash AR game. After the Fall... Among Us VR, Bone Lab, Moss Book 2, and Red Matter 2. Uh, Among Us. Me too. Yeah. Any other any other uh, uh, choices, sus? Pretty much. Yep. All right. Innovation and accessibility. Hmm. As Dust Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, the Last of Us Part One, or the Quarry. Um, let's see. I'm gonna go with The Last of Us Part One, based on um, Naughty Dog's accessibility options for Part Two. Okay. And I think I, I think I'll just go along with God of War Ragnarok. Okay. All right. Best action game. Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Neon White, Saifu, or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Shredder's Revenge. Hmm. There's, there, there's two choices I, I could go with. Um, I'm gonna go with Saifu. Mm. 
I'll, I'll go with Saifu. Like, I was kind of leaning towards Bayonetta 3, but I'm going to go with Saifu. When was the last time you played your Nintendo Switch? Uh, before I got my OLED. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Tree of Life was my pick for Carl. <laughs> nah, man, you got to watch. You got to watch the Psychic on Tubi. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna. I was thinking of Tree of Life, but I was like, you know what? I want to see you complete the Ari Aster trilogy. You do, you sick bastard. I know. <laughs> Best action adventure game. A Plague Tale Requiem. God of War Ragnarok. Horizon Forbidden West. Stray, and Tunic. Ragnarok. You- it's it's just a given. Mm. All right. All right. Next up, best RPG: Elden Ring, Live a Live, or Live Alive. Tomato, tomato. Pokemon Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, or Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Oh, Elden Ring, and it's not even close. Yeah, you're the only one I know who freaking... Listen, you need to get a win off of freaking... How many? 50 hours? It took me like, yeah, like 53 hours to beat uh, Elden Ring. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one too. Because I knew for a fact that so many people had it and so many people played it and stuff. Yeah. Best fight, best fighting game. DNF Duel. Multiverses. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. King of Fighters 15 or Saifu. I'm going to go with Saifu. And I'm going King of Fighters. Okay. All right. All right. Let me see. Best family game. Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Lego Star Wars, the Star War the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope. And Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Nintendo Switch Sports. Splatoon 3. Ooh, that's that's actually kind of a, a tough one right there. Um, huh. Best family game. Hmm. I'm going to go with Splatoon 3. It was, it, for me, it was, it was a toss-up between that and Kirby. But I'm going to go with Splatoon. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Mario and the Rabbits. Okay. Sparks of Hope. Best sports and racing game. F122, FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, Gran Turismo 7, Ali Ali World. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Gran Turismo Seven. 
they always lean towards freaking. Yeah, they always kind of lead. Those games always sports games. A, a game, racing game always gets it. Mm. Yeah. But I'm actually gonna take a shot in the dark and pick 2K23. All right. Best sim and strategy game. Dune Spice Wars, Mario and Mar- and Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Total War, Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus, or Victoria 3? Mm. I'm going to go with uh, Total War, Warhammer 3. Damn. Not expecting that. I thought you was going to pick Dune. Yeah, I've heard of, I haven't heard too much about Spice Wars. I know, I know there's like a Dune MMO coming out soon. I'm actually going to go with Dune. Okay. Yeah. All right. Best multiplayer. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Multiverses. Overwatch 2. Splatoon 3. And Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Hmm. Ooh. I feel like hmm, I, th- I, th- I think the smart money is going to go with Modern Warfare 2 so I'll go with that whoa yeah I, I actually went uh, Overwatch 2 yeah yeah that very good chance mind you I have Call of Duty oh. <laughs> alright Best debut indie game. Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, Vampires, Vampire Survivors. Stray. I knew that one. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go with that one, too, just because, like, it's probably the... uh, Probably the more popular one. Mm. Oh, yeah. Alright. What you got for a best it debut indie game? Oh, yeah. oh, Wait, yeah. I just read that one. Yeah. Oh shit, I wrote it twice. Oh, the a... most anticipated. Hmm. Most anticipated game? Yep. Uh I'm gonna go with uh Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The follow up to uh follow-up to um, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, there's that one. There's Starfield, Resident Evil 4, Hogwarts Legacy, and Final Fantasy 16. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm going to still go with Zelda. All right. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Resident Evil 4. All right. Yeah. Are there RE4 Remake? Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> All right. I'm trying to go as fast as I can so we won't have so much dead air. All right. Yeah. Best adaptation. You want to read the. Uh... Oh, yeah. So for best adaptation, we have. <clears throat> excuse me. We have Arcane animated series on Netflix, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Animated series on Netflix, uh, the Cuphead show, uh, also on Netflix, 
Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie, and Uncharted, the movie. Um, for this, I'm going to go with Cyberpunk Edge Runners. I'm going to go with Sonic. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the first two episodes of Edge Runners, and I'm like, eh, this is kind of cool. I can see why it's gotten some good reviews. Yeah, Sonic. All right. Uh, player's Voice. What's that one? What is Player's Voice? Let me. Oh, I think it's, that must be like the players, like viewers' choice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, with this one, oh man, this is actually tough. I can see it going either way between Elden Ring and Ragnarok. Um, oh man. So you got Elden Ring, Genshin Impact, God of War Ragnarok, Sonic Frontiers, and Stray. Mm. You are literally playing three out of these five games. I know. <laughs> beaten one, beaten two, I believe. Have you beat Stray? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah. No. Oh, you're such a, usually a completionist too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it eventually because I, I I was like in the, in the throes of Elden Ring at the time. Gotcha. Yeah. Um voice what would they I, I think the fans will probably sway towards um hmm. I'm gonna say they're, they're gonna sway towards Ragnarok more I think so too because it's just it's it's fresh in everybody's mind yeah all right and as I'm re- this is last night yep so as I'm reading this just rewriting this. Can you read the uh, game of the year? Oh yeah, the uh, game of the year picks. Yep. All right. Let me see. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Oh right, right. Oh, we didn't choose game of the year. Yeah, I see that one for last. Okay. So for game of the year, we've got uh five. Well, one, two, three. Six nominees. So for Game of the Year, we have A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Oh, man. Um, oh, geez. This is tough. This is tough. It really is, man. Um, I know Ragnarok has a great chance seeing that its predecessor won Game of the Year for 2018. It just came out early November. So it's like fresh fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah. Yeah. It has that going for it. Um, But if we're we're talking about like, like Game of the Year, like something that's something that's new, something that's different, something that pushes the, pushes the medium forward. I'm going to go with Elden Ring. I think Elden Ring is going to be game of the year. And by a hair. I respect it. Because this is such a hard... This is hard. Mm. But I'll go with God of War. Okay. Yeah. Watch Xenoblades get it. <laughs> If Stray wins, I'm going to laugh my ass off. <laughs> that would be the huge upset. It would be. Like, it takes two, and then home dude just freaking stomps. Oh, God. he Wasn't he just belligerent as all hell? 
Oh, yeah. The, oh, the guy who won it? Yeah. Yeah. Very unlikable personality. Yeah, he won. Talk your shit, I guess. Mm, I suppose. But yeah, that's it. Uh, the Game Awards will be on this tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. On the... Uh, is it tomorrow or is it Thursday? It's tomorrow. I hope it's Thursday. I ain't going nowhere. Let's see. December 8th. Yep, so that's uh, Thursday. Oh, great. I ain't going nowhere. Nice. So, yeah, we Ooh, shall... I, drink. <laughs> I drink on Thursdays. That's when I start drinking. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, that we'll, we'll see uh, We'll see which one of our picks uh, gets... Uh, um, We'll see which one of us has more picks that that end up winning, and um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough race. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to pull away with the top prize. Yep. And if, as our uh, and for our as we review the game awards in long form next week, uh, we'll we'll have a couple of guests. We'll see if you know we, you know, we always grab your boy Ed mm-hmm. from the Game of Delphia Party Nerds, and I think Patrick. I'll see if I can get grab a Patrick Hickey Jr. Either Patrick Hickey Jr. Or uh, when fandom strikes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Come one, come all. Oh, yeah. That, oh. You yeah. know how we get. Yeah, you know how we get. So. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah, man. So, yeah, those are our predictions. Uh, and also let us know uh, what you uh, what you think is going to win uh, at the Game Awards 2022 this Thursday. Uh, in the meantime, you can find all of our episodes of the Codex Prime podcast on Facebook live every Tuesday around 8, 8-ish Eastern, 8 p.m.-ish Eastern, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find our, our show there. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast and Twitter at Codex Primecast. You nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... That's about it. Uh, anything else on your end? Uh, I'll be DJing the Providence Pirates game. Tickets are still on sale. Uh, they'll be at tip office at 715 this Saturday at the uh, West Warwick Civic Center. Um, I want to say that's it for now. Nice. All right. So yeah, man. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, tune in next week. We'll we'll chat about the game awards and uh, the winners and the losers from that uh, contest. Uh, as always, uh, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.